0: My emphasis here today is Do you know you have a great future? You know, sometimes we have some plans in the works in our own life. We have uh, some short range plans, some long range plans that we have a great future. But the Lord lets us know through His Word that we have a great future ahead of us. And it doesn't matter what we're going through right now or what we're dealing with, but the promise is God has the best in store for us. And we know God's Word is true. Even though in our natural mind, in our own circumstances, sometimes we doubt whether God really is going to answer his promises, whether we really are going to see the things that he's promised us. But the word of God is incredible. I love how all the way through history, God was promising that Israel would become a nation. And we get to look back and see that it happened in 1948. Despite Israel going through the Holocaust when it seemed like Satan would move through the nations to destroy the Jewish people. And we see out of the ashes and out of even the dry bones of what happened in World War II that God restored the nation of Israel as He had promised. And I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I want you to know and be assured that God has a future for you. He has a good future and He has a good plan. That's my appetizer today. I want to talk about being a follower and a disciple of, of Jesus. And it's tough. It's really tough to be a follower of Jesus because we have the world against us and our own flesh, our own past, our old nature, our self-life. It defies being a follower of Jesus. In Revelations 21, 1-4, John the Apostle wrote us, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. You know, I think of the things that distract us or the things that hold our attention or the hobbies and things that we get involved with. I remember when I was a kid, you might want to laugh, it was stamp collecting. And you'd spend like 50 cents, you'd get this little envelope, this little book, and you'd, you'd go through and find, oh, there's a stamp from France. And, you know, you'd, you'd put a few stamps in the book, but most of the stamps you had never had a place for. Then I remember going through that season of uh, putting models together, model cars, model trucks, you know, painting them, and that would really was fun. And I I noticed my son when he was little, it was the pogs, you know, the little milk tops. And then he moved from pogs to the basketball cards. And then it was video games. There are things, if we look back in our life, there are things that hold our interest for a time in a season. And then something usually changes that, And we come into some new things. A lot of distractions in this life today want to keep us from moving ahead in God and kind of giving up our interest today to keep a focus on God and to do the things that he's wanting us to do. And so that is something we're always dealing with, you know, the the self-interest, the things that take away our time, the things that keep us from growing in the Lord. But it's interesting in that verse that he says, a new heaven and a new earth the, the old heaven and the first earth has passed away. I was talking to some, uh, some Christians this week, and I happened to ask them, you know, what's going on in your life? Are you involved? They said, oh, yeah, I'm part of this church. And I go, how is that? Well, I don't really go anymore. Why not? Well, you know, the pastor speaks good. But it's just, I just don't seem to get connected. I don't seem to get, it doesn't grab me, you know. And I was talking to them, and they have all these other interests going on. And I I know we're influenced by our society. We're influenced by the things that are going on currently in our culture, by the things that each generation is experiencing and kind of being drawn into. And like, we give ourselves to these bents, to these interests, to these hobbies. And what he is saying in Revelation, what God is promising is that all these things are going to pass away. But what God is going to offer us, is going to be so exciting. It's going to be so satisfying. It's going to so grab us in those places that we are vulnerable as people, how God has created us to get interested in things and to give ourselves to things that in the heavenlies, in that next life, when the new heavens come, that God is going to be able to pique your interests. And so I think all of us, if we gave some time, we could think of things that we were interested in and we gave our time and money to, and now they've kind of passed away. I used to keep up on my vehicles, my truck. Man, if I Dent of that truck, I had that fixed in 1991. I, I got, I was recovering from an accident that someone had hit me, and it took me two years to work on it and finally get it painted. and In 1991 was the last time I did any body work on my truck. I don't really have interest to do that anymore. What happens? You know, things change, seasons change, our, our desires change, but as we put God first, we are getting ready for that new Jerusalem. We're getting for this old life to pass away and to go and have this expectancy of an eternity with God. And what kind of things is he going to do to keep us so excited and so thrilled that we're going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and never be unhappy, never be depressed, always have this excitement and joy and this expectation that something kind of is unfolding all the time. So he says uh, in verses one through four, and so the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. How many like to go and drive over to the coast? I mean, I just went last week with Dory last week and just, you know, looked at the water. Awesome. It's going to all pass away. What is going to be replaced? What is he going to do that's going to capture our eye and capture our attention and get us caught up in the beauty of what God has created for eternity? He goes on in verse two, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. You know, the awe that we're going to have in seeing the new Jerusalem. I believe it's part city, but it's part also the body of Christ, the, the, the manifested, beautified, glorified, holy body of Christ is part of that that, that city, the beauty of the city, of us being compacted together. I'm so glad Brian sang that song, uh, We Are One in the Spirit, because that's kind of what he's doing. He's compressing us. He's working on us inside. He, he's working on us together. We're part of that beautification process as he's making the bride of Christ, that city, the new Jerusalem. How many of us can remember those of us had the, the privilege of being married, of us men waiting for our bride as she comes? And man, like you, are, you go to tears in the emotion of seeing your bride come. Those of you who have been brides know what it's like to have that awe from that person you're going to get married as they behold you in your beauty. That's what Jesus is. That's what God is as he looks at us and what he's doing to prepare us. An untouchable God clearly connected to people. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself w- with them and will be their God. You know, we have the Holy Spirit since we've asked Jesus Christ to come into our life. He, he's dwelling inside of us. And the Old Testament it talks about, you know, Moses being allowed just to see the outer glory as God passed by. But this is telling us that someday we are going to see God. We're going to be in that state, holy, in our resurrected bodies, and we are going to behold God. Can you imagine the overwhelming feelings and emotions? I know we have glimpses, and we have times where our our emotions feel the presence of God, and in those holy moments, we are like, oh my, I don't need anything else. Can you imagine having that forever and ever, being so caught up in the presence of God, God our Father being right there? I don't think we can even imagine what it's going to be like, but that's His promise. That our dwelling is going to be with him. We're going to see him. God promises that he will take away sorrow, pain, crying, all caused by death and loss. Verse 4 says, He will wipe every tear from our eyes. Can you imagine some of the bitterest moments that you've had? Can you imagine some of the bitterest tears that you've cried? Maybe right now you're in that season. Maybe now you're in such pain you can't even cry. There's going to be a moment where God is going to wipe past everything that has touched us, every place death has touched us, every place we've been destroyed by sorrow and grief. That moment, I think, is going to be so incredible for us that He's going to lift something that we've known and we've known the effect on this earth since Cain killed Abel. God will provide new interests. In Revelation 21, 5, And he, God, who is seated on the throne, said, See, I make all things new. That, again, is the promise of giving us incredible interests they are going to captivate our heart, our mind, our will and emotion. And we're going to be caught up in the worship of our God, but in doing things that we don't even understand that we're going to be doing. In Hebrews ten thirty-six, For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God you might receive the promise the promise of being citizens of that new kingdom of that life that's going to be perfect of having all sorrow and pain taken away that new creation of new interests interests that are going to be greater than anything we've experienced thus far on this earth we're going to know a level of satisfaction that we've never known that sometimes we hope to you know even when we've achieved things and seen the work of our labors and uh, maybe done things with our hands and created things. And we have that feeling of just satisfaction. But then how we go through times where everything seems boring. The new things that we've acquired no longer have satisfaction. And we, we're in that place of dissatisfaction. There's nothing about, nothing like about the promise of knowing that we are going to be satisfied because of what God is going to bring to us. We could ask the question, what does my life of sacrifice as a disciple follower do for me? I think the greatest thing is he's going to save us from punishment because Jesus went to the cross and took the punishment of our sins because as soon as we were born into this world we were born dead spiritually and sins passed upon us from generations and we were not worthy to be God's children or to be blessed by God. No matter how good we could be in our own self our self-righteousness would not be enough to pay for our salvation and to redeem us. In Revelation 21.8, this is the people who are not going to experience that new life. But as for cowards and those lacking character and the contemptible and those lacking in courage and the cowardly submissive and as for the unbelieving and the faithless, and as for the depraved and the defiled, with the things that disgust God. And as for murderers and the lewd and adulterers and practitioners of magic arts and the idolaters, those who give supreme devotion to anyone and to anything other than God, and all liars, those who knowingly convey untruth by the word of deed, all of these shall have their part in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Wow. I think just reading that, I want Jesus and whatever he has for me. I don't want to suffer because I didn't go receive the forgiveness of my sins and the hope of an incredible eternity with God. And to receive the love of a father, the love of our heavenly father that cannot be matched by any other kind of thing or any other kind of love. In Matthew 11, 16, Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So These are times and seasons of our life to get free of any offenses, anything that causes us to be confused about God's personal love for us, anything that is distracting us from taking our time with God. I had some real fleshly feelings yesterday. I kind of knew God wanted me to spend some extra time with Him yesterday, and I thought, man, there's so many things I have to do at home. There's, we had this storm, and there's things that need to be taken care of. That was my my flesh just rising up, and I just said, okay, God, I'm going to spend this time with you. And I just spent my time with God, those feelings left, and I felt so connected with God. And it didn't like he took my whole day. You know, It was just a, a short time You know, where I said, yes, you know, you're calling me to spend a little bit more time with you. I'm going to do it. it just so, it's really something how we get drawn a different way and so easily get drawn away from God. But if we stop and say, no, here I am, God. And how everything changes in our life. And we get pumped up. We get excited. And then the natural life that we live, it has so much more meaning. It's so, so, so much greater feeling. It's a living relationship we have with the living God, even though we cannot see him. You know, this little appetizer started out of being, it's tough to be a follower and a disciple. And something was on my heart this week to just read something that was in the first prophecy that we received in 1989 that kind of initiated uh, more ministry for us, going a little bit uh, stronger towards God and doing more teaching and being more involved in the local church. And uh, Brother David Chuck, who's now gone on to heaven, said this to me, and it so resonated in my spirit. Therefore, in order to bring about the fulfillment of the cry, I have put to... I have had to put a harness upon you. And that cry is talking about, I've had this cry in my heart, you know, especially how I grew up and not feeling I I had much to offer and feeling like I was dyslexic and struggling with uh, eating and being overweight and uh, depression and everything. I just said, God, here's my life. You can have it. You know, and there was this cry that the Holy Spirit put in my heart, a cry, a cry to be used by God a cry of willingness and obedience. God, I want to do whatever you want me to do if you'll help me. If you'll take this life, if you receive my life, I want to give it to you. And that was the cry of my heart. And he didn't know that, but he's prophesying to me. So in order to bring fulfillment to the cry, I have had to put a harness upon you. When God puts a harness on you, he restricts you. You don't do exactly what you want to do, but you find as you go through that harnessing and you go through the resistance and dealing with even rebellion that comes up because you're not doing your own will, you, you see this refinement, you see this change that comes over your life, and it plays out over your future that you you become more at peace, you become more settled, the irritations and the rebellion seem to go away because you're yielding to the harness, you're yielding to the will of God, and you start being changed. And so he said, I've had to put this harness on you. That you would not be that which would do of your own self or your own wishes but rather that which would be pleasing to me. I remember resisting at times the next step where he was asking me to do something else. I remember the resistance, you know, of going into eldership process. I remember the resistance on all the extra meetings I had to attend to and all the extra things I had to do. And I, I remember my flesh bucking at that. And, um, but I just kept doing it anyway. I kept surrendering. It, following God doesn't mean the absence of your own will and being in resistance to what God wants but it's finding that there is a grace of God to do what God wants you to do. There's a the grace of God to say no to your flesh and say yes to God that that brings this change and transformation that you experience of knowing God more and then you find yourself fulfilling and being obedient to what God wants. Okay, so not doing of your own self or your own wishes, but rather that which is would be pleasing to me, that others might see thereby, learn thereby, and you could have influence as a result and being willing and obedient they shall become likewise disciples of willingness and obedience and i believe the holy spirit's doing that in this our body i believe that god is working in you to have this willing in willingness and obedience to be one who follows the lord the one who try, who truly is a disciple of jesus christ and a follower not just calling yourself a christian in name only and doing your own thing or or going through the Bible, and just smorgasbord picking out what tastes good to you, but truly letting God be God, and letting the Word of God have its place, and struggling at times because God is asking you to do something that you don't want to do he's asking you maybe to lay down an interest that you have that 's not going to be the right for you to fulfill something in the in in the future, or maybe he wants you to rise to a place of spiritual leadership, and so he 's going to harness you he 's going to begin to to change you and compress you and allow your new nature to be so formed in you that God can use you so that others can be affected with the message of the gospel. The earth and all of its form is passing away even as we speak. Look at even things in our town that have happened in the last couple of months since the rains. The temporal things are being shaken and brought down, but the eternal things that we are building on in our relationship with God and our obedience to God are building something that's going to last in our life, and then the influence of our testimony. Even what um, Regina said about the roots, about those trees going over and not being rooted deeply, that they they tip over. God wants us so rooted in Him that no matter what happens in our future as a country and in the world, that we are going to know beyond a shadow of doubt that I am with God and He's with me. And things are going to work out for best. And we do have an eternal promise in the future of a life that's going to be better than we could imagine. So much for my appetizer. I want to continue a little bit more about Lord Tame My Tongue. This is the third week. And if you've missed any messages, Tyler has graciously put them online on our website, and you can go back. Every week, the last two weeks, I put in a little thing. You can kind of do some self-examination in your bulletin. I kind of changed it this week and added some different questions, and I'm hoping these will help you address the areas that you've been speaking and uh, maybe things you've been involved with, maybe whether it's slander or gossip, and just to, to really uh, change your tongue. In our first week, this was our key verse, Proverbs eighteen twenty one, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And it's that whole thing of bringing our tongue back to the place where we are speaking words of life. And like I've said over the last couple weeks, the body of Christ has been so compromised and not operating its power because of the compromise in our words. And if our words are negative, then it's hard to have a positive bring any of God's power to bear. But as we start reigning in our tongue and watch the words that we're saying and watching if we're slandering our, our brothers and sisters, we start allowing ourselves to speak the word of God in power. And we begin to see the life that the word of God brings as we're speaking it. We, you know, for good. We have this scripture, James 3, 5 through 6, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. How many times have we caught ourselves saying something and we thought like, man, that was not good at all. You know, that's part of our old nature that our tongue is so used to responding to our own old nature and saying things that we wish we never would say. The tongue uh, also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. Sometimes when we begin to talk, we have recognize and notice how a little thing starts getting bigger and bigger because we're feeding it with words. And words are like throwing gasoline on, uh, on attention, on, on an anger, or on something that we're upset about. And before we know it, this thing feels huge. How many could admit that's happened? Your words have just got this big fire going. You realize, oh my, how am I going to put this thing out? <laughs> I also spoke, uh, talked about um, Mark sixteen seventeen. Jesus told disciples, "These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues." And I talked about from the aspect where the Holy Spirit so in us that it brings the power of life through our words. That we uh, really choose our words wisely, and we speak into people encouraging them also in, the, in and around people who maybe aren't saved. We look for opportunity to speak words of life that will give them nuggets, that will give them seeds they can latch onto and receive Jesus and begin to grow in their understanding of who He is and to begin to build that relationship that we have with Him, that we're, we're dropping seeds, we're offering people alternatives. Maybe it's someone you're going to be around and they're, maybe they're really discouraged and you just say, hey, can I pray for you? Or you know, you ask them, what's going on? And you're able to unload the burdens that they're carrying. And you're able to use words that build them up. Our key verse last week was Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. We've been talking about how much is going on on the internet, Facebook, and Twitter, all those different things where there's a lot of negative things being said and people are being heard and even how the Christians have been involved with negative things and we're really talking in our body. Let's watch what we say and let's speak into other brothers and sisters who are saying things or posting things that are, that are not Christian so that we can, what are we trying to do? We're trying to reign back and get the power of our tongue back in the hands of the Lord, back in a powerful way so there's life being spoken and lives are being changed and transformed for good. I covered these seven things, the busybody, the talebearer, the gossiper, one who slanders, a divisive person causing division and discord, all have a destructive effect on the body of Christ, the local church. That effect is the tongue's power to heal and bring life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's all we've been trying to do. This is our third week. We're focusing on, okay, what's my language like? What are the things I'm being drawn into? And also when, when we start looking and examining ourselves and we see a bent in our communication, what we could do is like we bring that to God and begin to pray. Okay, obviously I have a problem. Maybe you discover there's a deep root of anger. Maybe there's a deeper root of bitterness. And so even though you desire to, to speak better or do better, you, you realize you're not being able to do it. Well, that's the area we've been talking about also is that the Holy Spirit, you have him. He wants to help you you're going to hear some scriptures today that are going to help you realize that God wants to be on your side and He wants to bring your tongue into a place of control where the Holy Spirit is helping you. And if you have a root of bitterness, if something has so deeply hurt you and you're so deeply wounded and you can't seem to get over it, God wants to help you work on that so that you can be free. And your relationships can even change. You know, the disunity, disunity that happens when our tongue is using wrong words the trust that is broken by our words that have hurtful. When someone says something negative, I, I, you just see the walls go up and you see people withdraw. Why? They feel hurt or they feel unsaved. We want to see trust restored in the body of Christ. In our local church, we want to see trust get established and developed. And as God keeps growing us, we, we are bringing people in and they're going to they're gonna learn the same things that we have learned. And we're going to become saved people too by the things that God is teaching us on how to use our tongue. Also, when our tongue is out of whack, I really feel like there's a real lack in the ministry function in the church. That the gifts stop functioning because there's not a, a flow that's positive. If you are a person who struggles with trust, you have to analyze what am I listening to? Who am I listening to? Who's affecting me? And how can I cooperate with God to rebuild and open my heart again. Negative words tear our faith down. They take away those words of life. that are supposed to be very positive. I mentioned last week about people who do cutting. You know, it's very spiritual. People who are destroying their body when they're cutting on themselves, and how spiritual that is when we are cutting the body, when we are slandering, when we are gossiping. And my challenge is again this week to you, if you hear slander in this church, you, you challenge that person. And if they don't get it, don't, fo- don't associate with them. Stop talking to them. Let them get the message that this is not, this is not fair. I'm not going to talk about people. If you have something, go to that person and work it out. It's going to bring healing to our body. It's going to bring a safety. We see in the news, we see in the world, it is not safe out there and people are all just constantly stirred up. They don't even want to listen to the news. It's negative. We have the answers. We have the power of God. We are going to be the difference. As the world gets darker, as Antichrist comes on the scene, we are going to hold the worlds of light. And they may crucify us for that. They may, you know, put us into a place of persecution, but we're going to have the grace to stand. But it starts now. It starts now that we watch our words and we watch what we do. In James 3.10, Out of the same mouth, Come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. I want to start anew today, conversation. The definition of conversation. Exchange of ideas by spoken words. Talk, chat, gossip between two or more people. In Ephesians 2.3, We all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Are we different than the world? Is our conversation different than the world? When we're in the workplace, when dirty jokes start talking, are we part of it? Are we hearing it? Do we kind of withdraw ourselves, or do we kind of change the subject? You know, these are all real things, our conversation. It said we all had these conversations in time past, so somehow we have to be different. And sometimes we kind of come under conversations because we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be the odd person in the room. But I think God wants to help us to be responsible and gentle and kind. And yet, let our lifestyle make a stand. And if they talk bad about you because you're not participating, that's all on them. I went through that at work. I went through that with working with drivers and riggers and the talk that they would do, the things that they would try to pass around. And I got talked about. I got laughed about. I had people say bad things about me. But over the years, those same people who talked about me would come to me when they had a problem, when they were dealing with a marriage, when their marriage was broken up. People I really didn't, I hated practically because they were so bad. They would come to me and I would talk to them about the Lord. You know, sometimes we have negative feelings inside, but we keep them to ourselves. But when God opens those doors with those very people that we've we've held our our Christian character and testimony it becomes an opportunity for us to share the good news of Jesus. It becomes an opportunity for us to pray for people who are in desperate situations. Without God, they come to that place where they need help, and we can help them. Our mouth in Ephesians four twenty two put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Colossians 3.8, Paul writes, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. If you're a person that tends to get so angry, you start using foul language. God wants to help you reign that in. God wants to give you victory over that area where you're not just a cursor. And if we're flowing out curses, we're killing the power of life that's in our tongue that might mean you have to make some amends about some things. Dig deep and let the Holy Spirit he- heal you. Maybe it's the way you grew up. Maybe you heard constant cursing. Maybe it's the people you're around. It, it's so easy to be around people and the way they're talking, you find out that's the way it just naturally starts. The words keep slipping out. In Philippians uh, one twenty-seven, Paul writes, Let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, the good news, That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That striving shows it's going to take work for us to work on our language and work together how we're communicating with each other. You know, we're coming in, we come in out, out of the world, we come in out of all the influence and the things that we hear, and it's so readily available for us to talk about things or even talk negative about things. But if we work, we strive together to keep our words and to, to have new words and to have words that are building, we can do it. Yeah. You know, if we start catching each other and, you know, sometimes when someone catches us, we get shame, we feel bad. No, let's have the for Like if someone's going to speak into our life, it's positive. It's so I can change. They're watching my back and I could be the next one next time that says the wrong thing. And that very person who, who corrected me, now I'm correcting him. You know, it's that back and forth thing where we're watching each other, like a team on the field. They're watching. They'll speak to each other. Or that coach. Man, that coach, sometimes you watch those coaches, listen to those coaches, they're mean. They're hard. Watch the face of the coach in the Super Bowl, you're thinking, like, that guy is an angry guy. What's he intense about? About his players going and, uh, and accomplishing those goals. And they're, those, those team members aren't upset. They know that that's the coach's focus. He's trying to keep them going the same direction. That's what we're trying to do as pastors and leaders, is to keep us all going in the same direction so that we have victory. So we have a, a positive experience in our relationships in the church. So people don't say, "Well, man, this is just as bad at church as it is out in the world." I won't go to church anymore. That's the enemy trying to divide the body. We need each other, especially the darker it gets. We need each other in every way. First Peter 1.15 as Jesus, which has called you, is holy. So be you holy in all manner of conversation. He's. Do you realize? Do you, do you realize he's in you? If you've asked Jesus Christ in your heart, He's in you. He doesn't move out on bad days like people. You know, sometimes I saw a couple at McDonald's. She was walking down the street, hollering at him, and she left him. he was leaning on his truck, and he was he was left. Jesus doesn't leave us when we have irritation and arguments. He doesn't say, "I'm not. I'm you're ugly. I'm gone." No, He stays with you. He will not leave you. So we're supposed to realize. I can have a holy conversation. It doesn't mean you're speaking King James English. No, a holy conversation just means you're choosing your words. You're, you're speaking those words that are positive. You, you're, you get in an argument in your family members, but you say, "You know what? We're in process. Husband's wife, we're in process. You know, we're going to work through this. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get to the roots of things. We're gonna we're gonna grow. We're gonna we're gonna have a better relationship after what we've gone through." That's part of that holy conversation. How are you representing Jesus? He's in you. He's not leaving you. So it's kind of sobering to think like everything I, I say, Jesus is right there hearing. I think some of us, if we walked in that reality, we would do things differently and we would say things differently too. I don't want to offend Jesus. First Peter one eighteen, as you know, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers. How many things did we pick up growing up from our parents, from our friends? Vain conversation. Conversation is worthless. You know, those of you who have a lot of words, i in awe of you. My wife gets upset because I give her a few words, one word answers. She wants more out of me. But think of it. Analyze your conversation. Am I just saying a lot of fluff? Or am I saying pointed, powerful things that are truth? We have some quiet people. When they get up, I just i am listening. Okay, what are they going to say? I mean, Laura Gessick, when she would get up, that girl would hit you with some nugget of truth. You know, there are people that are just so meek and mild. Even in our community groups, you know who you are. You let everyone else talk, and the facility has to call on you to get you to talk. And when you open your mouth, you're saying profound things that impact us, that we walk away, and that we always remember. I'm so glad every time Daniel Gessick gets up because, I mean, when he gets up, it's like he gives us meat. He gives us chunk of jerky to chew on. Anyone who has had any kind of input has affected our conversation. I found during a lot of my years being around my guys and identifying there's this one guy I identified more than ever because we worked so much together over a 20- year period. but I picked up the same kind of attitudes he had, I looked at the bosses like he had, and God had to start dealing with me, "Yeah, you have this friend and you're, you're, you're trying to reach out and save him so you're, but slowly, who you're around, you start talking just like them, you just start just start even having the same attitudes, and I thought, "Wow." And I had worked with this guy probably 10 years and I said. I, God started just showing me the attitudes I picked up. And I started having, having to repent. And there was a season he got stronger and stronger against our bosses and everything. I just, it was by God's grace, I kind of separated from him. I did my thing. And whenever I had a chance, I, I would say, you know what? He's the boss. We, we got to do, do what he wants. You know, we have to do, he's our boss. Whether he's right or not, we're getting paid. And for us to, to take our positions like that, God honors that. God honors us being and ordering our conversation just in the right way. Uh, 1 Peter 2.12 Have your conversation honest among the non-Christian that whereas they speak against you as evildoers they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of his visitation. 2 Peter 3.11 Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved The world as we see it, and those who scoff at the Bible, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? This thing's going to pass away. Everything that we like, everything that we love is going to pass away. So let's order our conversation right. Let's be in that, uh, be forward in our living, uh, be progressively looking how we should live and act and get our conversation in right now because the world is passing away. Our key verse for today is Psalms 50:23. To him that orders his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. That's pretty powerful. Ordering my my conversation so that God can keep working that salvation process in my life. In Matthew 12:36, Jesus said, I say to you that for every idle word that men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That is a heavy scripture. If you wrote that down on a three by five card, printed it on your phone in your notes section, and you looked at it a couple of times a day, we might not be speaking for a while. Think of it someday we're going to stand before God and we are going to give account for every idle word we said. Some of the wor- those words, I don't think we want heard among everyone on earth, however he does that. Whoa, they're all going to hear I said that? I have to give an account why I said that? You know what I do a lot of times? God, forgive me for every idle word, for every negative word. God, forgive me for my uh, anger, for my misrepresentation of people, for things that, that I've said that I shouldn't have said. God, I plead the blood, as Donna said. I plead the blood on those idle words that I'm ashamed of. But oh God, help me to rearrange my tongue. Um, Brian, you playing today? I think I'll stop there. It's enough for today. Would you stand? And you know we have always have the altar open if you want personal prayer. Maybe you'd like to just go spend a little bit of time and say, you know what, God, I want to get at the altar. The altar is a place where we can leave burdens, leave sins, leave guilt. It's a place where we know. It's just a symbolic place where where we hit our knees. We know God is hearing from us. And we can say things to God that kind of just leave things. And it's a place when we get up, we can believe, you know, I left something there and I'm going to go out in faith knowing that I am covered and I'm asking God to help me. So whatever you need to do, the altars are open. And hope you guys have a great day.